Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. So glad that you guys are with us, sharing part of your weekend with us. And uh, my name's Garland. I'm one of the pastors here at the local church. And uh, we are continuing our series called Local Voices. And I uh, had a great weekend last weekend. Micah was here sharing with us, and that was a great weekend. And uh, so I'm going to ask you, if you would, to take your phones out, all right? Most people say put them away. We want you to take them out, open the app that we have for you. That way you can follow along. You can take some notes, all right? You'll find spots in there for you to write down the notes that we have. And if you don't have the app, you can download it real quickly. So we encourage you to do that. Those that are watching online, thank you for joining us as well. And uh, we ask you to follow along. You'll find the scripture, the notes there as you're watching online, and we'll go through this together, all right? So glad that you're here. And a um, couple of weeks ago, I went through a drive through and I just ordered a beverage, and I go through the drive through and when it comes time to give me change, the lady gave me too much change. She gave me a couple dollars too much. Now, at that point, I had an opportunity to make a right or a wrong decision, all right? So I chose to make a right decision, and I made her aware she gave me too much change, and I gave the money back to her. It was just a couple of dollars, and uh, she was very appreciative. She said, thank you so much, and I went on my way, and that was it. Well, a couple days later, I went into a store to make a purchase, and uh, what I was buying was $17 and some change, and so I gave the cashier a $20 bill. And when it came time to give me change, she handed me $12 in change back. She gave me $10 too much. And I just stopped and I said, God, thank you so much for blessing me with $10 for being honest the other day. Isn't that great how God works? I'm joking, all right? And I start here like, oh, is he serious? No, no, I had another opportunity to make a right versus wrong decision. And so I made the lady aware of what she had done. I gave her the $10 back. She's very grateful. And as I turned to leave, the gentleman in line behind me, he looked at me and he smiled, kind of gave me a nod of approval. That was my blessing, all right? That was my blessing, and I went on my way. Well, every day we have opportunities to make right or wrong decisions in our lives, correct? I mean, some are like, you know, they're small, like getting too much change, and, and we still, we have, to, we, have to think that th we have to think it through. But some are large, and they can have life-changing consequences or results, and so we have to be aware of that. Well, the title of our message today is just simply that, it's right versus wrong. And we're going to look in that, or look at that in Psalms chapter 1. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to go ahead and open your Bible and uh, turn to Psalm chapter 1. We'll be reading that in just a few moments. You know, when I think of right versus wrong, it kind of reminds me of when I used to watch some cartoons and you'd see a cartoon character. They had to make a right or wrong decision. There'd be a, an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other or the devil on the other. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, they did a good job, didn't they? All right. I wanted to put some faces in that devil one, but they wouldn't let me. All right. <laughs> but I remember kind of seeing this and, and it reminds us of the right versus wrong thing. And we have to make those decisions in our lives. So in Psalms chapter one, I want you to write this in your note. We find some truths that are necessary to do what is right and avoid what is wrong. 
And it's just simple instructions that we can follow. But as always, God's word, it gives us so much truth. So we're going to look at that today. We see the contrast between the right and the wrong. So let's look in Psalms chapter 1. We'll read this together. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It's a great passage of scripture. And when we look at it, the right and the wrong are laid out for us in this, pack, in this passage of Scripture. It's the good versus the bad. It's the righteous against the unrighteous, the godly, the ungodly, the blessed, the wicked, the right versus wrong. And, and when I think about the right part, it kind of reminds me of people. And, and in this passage, it talks about those who are blessed. Blessed is the man. He's talking about the one who chooses right. And so I was trying to think of an example of this because when you think of people who are right, you see it. You see it in their smile. You see it in their face, in their eyes, in their action, their language. It's, it's part of who they are. In other words, you see Jesus in them. And I was trying to think, of, okay, who's someone? And it just popped in my mind. It didn't go away. It's Johnny Butler. It's one of our pastors here, Pastor Johnny. And Johnny's just, he's just a good guy. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, not coughing about him. But, uh, <laughs> but seriously, if you know Johnny Butler, you just see Jesus in his life. He's just kind. And I say this often, he just reeks of kindness. <laughs> and that's just who this guy is. And it's a great example for us. He's a reflection of Jesus. I believe that. But when we think of the wrong, we think of something different. It's those who are wicked. And I think of people who are maybe mean. Maybe they're mean-spirited. And uh, you can see it in them as well. You can see it in their demeanor, in their face, their language, their actions. You can see it in their eyes. The eyes have a way of telling you what's in someone, doesn't it? And, and have you ever wondered why sometimes you see a person through their eyes? Well, I saw this verse. I want to share it with you. It's in Matthew chapter 6. It says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Such a revealing ver verse, and, and you can see that in people's eyes sometimes. A few years ago, my family and I, we were, we were flying back home from Boston. We'd been up in Cape Cod to visit some friends up there who lived there and had a nice time. And, and as we headed to the airport, there was a lot of traffic. The airport was crowded. There were long lines. So we get there, and uh, we haven't eaten, so we just grab something to eat. We take it on the plane with us, and uh, they seated us in the very back row. I mean, all the way in the back. There's nothing behind us but a bathroom and probably a line of people as we're flying, you know, that stare at you while you're sitting there. You're like, hey, got to go to the bathroom? Good. Nice to meet you. You know, it's just, you know what it is. It's awkward back there. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not always comfortable. And so 
We were waiting for one other group of people to arrive, and uh, here they come. And the row in front of us was empty and a few seats around, and, and here comes a man and his wife and a group of students. They had been on some kind of a trip. I don't know if it was an athletic team or something to do with school, but the husband was the teacher coach, and his wife had come along, and she is not happy. I mean, she's just furious. And as she's marching down the aisle, she's complaining the whole way. Everyone on the plane can hear her, and she's very upset. And then she sees where she's going to be sitting. And she's in the second row from the back, and she goes, how dare they seat us back here? Don't they know who we are? And she's talking like this, and we're all like, they don't know who we are, you know. I'm behind you, lady. <clears throat> and so she's just loud. She's obnoxious. She's rude. She's arrogant. And then she wants to put her things in the, the overhead compartment. They're full. The flight attendant's saying, we're going to have to check your bag. And you're not checking my stuff. And it's just bad. And so finally, they're getting her there, and they're telling her, you have to sit here, or you got to get off the plane. So she's getting ready to sit down, and I thought, well, it's going to be a while. So I put the tray down set my dinner I had bought. It was just a slice of pizza. It was in one of those little cardboard boxes like a slice of pizza. I opened it. And as I paid for our food when we were getting ready to leave, I saw some little packs of pepper flakes and Parmesan cheese. And also I just grabbed a handful, threw it in the bag. And so I was like, oh, I'll put some pepper on my pizza. I did. And I pulled out the little pack of Parmesan cheese and I opened it. And I don't know if you've ever opened one of those little packs. They smell atrocious. I mean, it's just rotten, and, and it's a sharp cheese, and I like that, but I mean, it smells terrible, and so I open it, and I'm like, whoa, and my wife's like, oh, that's horrible. I go, yeah, I mean, it's good, so I'm shaking it, you know, on my pizza, and as I'm shaking it, the odor's coming out, and I'm like, wow, and about that time, the lady who's just getting ready to finally sit down, she goes, there's vomit in here. Somebody threw up in my seat. And she just starts going off. The flight attendants come back and they're like, lady, the plane was clean when the last people got off. No one threw up. We were here. Da, 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 da. And I'm just kind of sitting there like, hmm. And so I took out another pack of cheese. And about that time as I'm getting ready to open it, the flight attendant looks back at me and kind of rolls her eyes like, can you believe this? And I held up my cheese. And I opened it, and I went like this, and I poured it, and I fanned it. <laughs> and uh, thank you, sir. And the flight attendant looked at me, smiled, gave me a nod of approval. That was my blessing. <laughs> All right? It's a true story, though. Thank you, Pastor Steve. We encounter people like that in our lives, don't we? And we see it all the time, and it doesn't always end up where we can enjoy. I enjoyed that. <laughs> and it doesn't always end up that way for us. But sometimes it's just the way it is. And so I want us to look at Psalms chapter 1 because we're going to start by looking at the blessed. And that's where we're going to kick in. And I want you to hear this. True blessings come from God. That's where they come from. God blesses those who are righteous. We see that in this passage. And I want you to write this in your notes because I think it's really important for us to understand. Don't confuse luck with being blessed. Luck is a result of chance. But blessings are an intentional gift from God. And there's a big difference between that. Because if everything's left to chance, it doesn't matter if we have a relationship with God, but it's not. Luck is just an opportunity of chance, but blessings are an intentional gift from God. The blessings in your life, they come from God. 
That's where they come from. I can still remember when I was growing up, anytime my sisters or I would say that we were lucky, my mom would stop and correct us and she'd say, we're not lucky, we're blessed. And Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. So I just want us to look at that because I think it's just such a strong reminder of God blessing. So let's look in Matthew chapter 5. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you, lie about you, say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Jesus reminded us in this message of how much God blesses us. It's amazing, but that's where blessings come from. The blessed are those who are righteous. It is those who have chosen to do what's right. But in this passage, it starts out in a unique way. It starts out by saying, here's some things that the blessed don't do. So here's the first thing. The blessed does not. Here's some things the blessed do not do. Verse one, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Three things that the blessed or the right does not do. And the first is they don't walk with the wicked. They're not influenced by them. It doesn't say they can't be around them, but they don't walk with them in unison or in agreement. And then it goes on and it says, or stand with sinners. And that's beyond the walking. That's, that's stopping to stand. And that's where we hang out with. And then it even goes on beyond that. And it says, or sit with scoffers. That's where we become part of those who make fun of our relationship with Jesus. And some say, well, you know, Jesus hung out with sinners. And you know what? You're right, he did. Jesus did hang out with sinners. And Jesus was influencing, changing, and leading sinners, not listening, hanging with, or becoming part of them. Jesus hung out with sinners to lead them, not to be led by them. And I think it's important for us to be around those who don't know Jesus. I think that's how they find him. But we need to lead in that, not be led. As we look at this, there's a progression that takes place when we allow sin to exist in our lives. We see it in those three things. The walk, it's a casual conversation in the wrong direction. The standing, it's stopping to hear more. It's sitting, it's to become a part of it. It's a progression that takes place. Let's read Psalms 1-1 again from the New Century Version. It says, happy are those who don't listen to the wicked, who don't go where the sinners go, and who don't do what evil people do. Here's the progression. It's listening, it's going, and then it's doing. And what happens is sin is one of those things that progresses when we don't deal with it. And at each step of this progression, we have an opportunity to make a right versus wrong decision. Here's what happens. Write this down if you would. When we don't confess sin, we progress in sin. When we don't confess sin, we progress in it. We have to deal with our sin because it will desensitize us. And that just means that we'll be open to more and more. There's that progression. Because the truth is we all sin, right? 
I mean, we're sinners. We need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus. But we can't get rid of it. Only God can. And so we have to take it to him. 1 John 1, 9. I love this verse. It says, if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us. God's forgiveness is true. It's real. It's done. And then it says, and take our sins away. God takes them away. If you look in the Bible, it says that he removes them as far as the east is from the west. He casts them in the deepest part of the ocean to be seen never again. And that's what God does. And so we have to deal with our sins so we don't progress in it. The blessed or the godly does not walk, stand, or sit with sinners. But then it talks about what the blessed do. So let's look at that now. The blessed does, and this is the right and the right versus wrong. Here's the first thing we see. The blessed delights in God's word. They delight in God's word. Verse two, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The word delight, it means to take pleasure in. We receive joy from it. And that's what we're talking about here. So what are some things that you delight in in your life? Think about that for a moment. What are some things that bring you joy? And uh, as, as I move along in life and as I get older, I think those delight and pleasure things change. All right, here's what I mean by that. When I was a kid, I used to look forward to Christmas for what I was gonna get. Now I look forward to Christmas for what I'm giving, all right? And, and if you said, Garland, what are the things that delight you or that you take pleasure in now? It's seeing people that I love smile. That's a big deal to me. People that I love and care about, when I see them smile, it brings joy to my heart. I was with some people before this service that I love and care about, and some things have taken place in their life, and, and we got to spend some time talking and praying together, and when we were done, they smiled. It brought joy to my heart. That's what I delight in. It's blessing others. It's being in a place sometimes where we can just help others. We can bless them. It's giving the right change back. And realizing those people would have to pay for that. But we get to bless others. But the most important thing to me is seeing people come to Jesus. Because it changes their life. It changes everything. And not just for them personally, but their families. It changes the lives of generations. That's how we can change the world is people coming to Jesus. And, and as we grow and mature, our delight, it changes. Psalms 119 verse 16 says, I will take pleasure in your laws and remember your words. Take pleasure in God's word. You see, the blessed and the wicked are separated by what they take pleasure in. The blessed take pressure, pleasure in God's word and what it can do. The wicked, it's a different story. Psalms 119, verse 97, I deeply love your law or God's word. I think about it all day. And instead of finding pleasure in sin, we find pleasure in our relationship with God. This is a different way of thinking from the wicked. It's the way the blessed think. And our relationship with God is what makes the difference. And the only way this change can take place is through Jesus. That's it. So we see that they delight in the law of the Lord and God's word. And then here's the second thing. The blessed also, they meditate on God's word. They meditate on it. They don't just like it, but they meditate on it. To meditate means to think deeply about, to reflect on. You make it a part of your, your life. And the idea here is to saturate ourselves in God's word, to understand its value in our lives, to understand that it makes a difference for us and we live it out. Psalms 119.11, David said, I treasure your word above all else. It keeps me from sinning against you. 
You see, we enjoy it, we delight in it, we grow from it, but it keeps us away from that walking, standing, and sitting. Let it become a treasure to you. You know, I've got, I've got three grandsons, and two of my grandsons are on the spectrum. And, and what that means, if you don't understand that, is that they have autism. And our oldest grandson, his autism is pretty severe. And uh, he's not as verbal as we would like, and, uh, but he's coming along, and he's just he's a precious precious little guy. We love him to death. But it's fun to watch what he treasures because he truly treasures things. And it comes in different things at different times. And for a while, there were these little cars that he treasured. He'd come to our house and he'd dump them and he had to put them all in order along the wall. Every color, everything had to be right. But now his treasure is this series of books. It's called Barefoot Books. And, and it's probably 20, 25 books in a series. And as you open the book to read it, there's a song that goes with it. And you can go to their website and you can play the song on your phone or whatever, and you can sing it as you're reading through the book. And so now when he comes to our house, when they get there, I mean, he opens the door and he just, you know, the door, bam, slam, you know, he's there. And we're all saying hi to James and he ignores everything. And he's got this cloth bag with all of his books in it. And he marches to the table. He sets them on the table, takes them out of the bag, and he puts them in order, and he makes sure they're perfectly aligned. Everything just measures right up. And then when he's done with that, he'll go off to something else. And if he leaves and I mess the books up, when he's walking by, he'll stop, and he goes over, and he straightens them back up. And sometimes I'll take them out of order and just put number three where number 10 is or something. And I'm telling he'll walk by, and he'll just glance, and he... He goes over and he takes them and he puts them right back. He knows exactly where they go. And it's his treasure. And he just values these things so much. Everywhere he goes, he has to bring his books. And uh, then eventually, once he's done, he settles down. He'll come over and he'll say, Papa, sing. And I'll say, sure. And so we'll go sit down at the table and we'll open the first book, pull up the website, and I'll sing along with him in the book. And we'll sing a song. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. You know, we go through this thing. And if I don't turn the page at the right time, he'll go, stop. <laughs> and he'll make sure we're on the right page and then we can continue on. But it's what he treasures. And in his little life that we don't truly understand, and in his mind that thinks differently than we do, it's just totally different. We're trying to grab hold of it and communicate. This is his treasure. Well, you know what? That's what we're supposed to do with God's word. We're supposed to treasure it. And we're supposed to keep it in order. And we're supposed to make sure our lives line up with it. And I learned so much from this little guy that God has given to us. And this is one of the things, we, the importance of God's word. It's a treasure. And one of the reasons that we just read about that we treasure God's word is it helps us to avoid sin. So it helps us to avoid those things. We meditate. Here's the third thing. The third thing the blessed or the godly do, and I love this, is they become like a tree. They become like a tree. And when you just state that, it's a little odd, but the whole idea here is to be strong and to be stable, to be dependable, producing fruit, giving back. It's a result of delighting and meditating in God's word. Let's look at verse three. It says, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. And so there's four things we see about this tree. Here's the first thing. It's planted by water. The reason the tree is planted by water is because all the needs are met there. It has the nourishment it needs to grow and to become stable. 
You have everything you need to grow. The second thing, it says that it produces fruit. And for us as believers, that's us bringing people to Jesus. That's people, it's us living like Johnny Butler. So whenever you look at him, you see Jesus in his life. And people see Jesus in us if we're doing what we're supposed to. And then it says leaves don't wither. They don't dry up or fade away. They're fresh. They're new. You know, last week when Micah was here, he had spoken a couple times. After the second service, I was talking to him. And, and I just, I said, Micah, I know as you share your story and as you share your ministry, this is something you have to do often. And I said, but the thing for me this week that was amazing is that it was fresh and new. Because it can get old to have to share your story time and time again. But it was fresh and it was new. And I really believe because God's on his life. And I'm so glad that we get to partner with Vapor Ministries. And then here's the next thing. It says he prospers. It says God rewards and he blesses. And why? Because we meditate and we delight in his word. You see, when we are rooted in God's word, we have everything we need to succeed. Joshua 1.7 says this, be strong and very courageous. Talking to the children of Israel, obey all the laws Moses gave you. Do not turn away from them and you will be successful in everything you do. It's what God's word gives to us. Write this down. God blesses those who pursue what is right. God blesses those who pursue what is right. So we looked at the blessed, those who are right, but now let's look at the wicked. All right, let's look at those who are wrong. Look in verse four. It says, not so the wicked. Now, to understand that first little part, we got to go back to verse three and how it ended because it's talking about the blessed and it says, whatever he does, he, he prospers. So verse four starts with the wicked. It says, not so for the wicked. They don't prosper. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. And when we think of wicked, we think of, we think of evil or morally bad in principle, Right? Uh, we think of someone who practices in a sinful way. They're the opposite or the, of the blessed or the godly, the righteous. And it says here, the first thing, that they're like chaff. Well, chaff is a husk that kind of surrounds a seed in, in a cereal crop like rice or barley, wheat, those kind of things. And to separate the loose chaff from the grain is called winnowing. And what happens is, is repeatedly you toss the grain up in the air and the wind kind of blows away the chaff, the part that is not useful. That's what it comes down to. It's kind of like if you go to the movies and you get a bag of popcorn, you eat all the popcorn, you look in the bottom of the bag, all right? There's the seeds that didn't pop and there's like those little kernels that get stuck in your tooth for three days, you know, and you're picking all the, okay, you get it, all right. So... <laughs> So that's kind of what the chaff is, and that's what the wicked are referred to here. And separating the wheat from the chaff means to separate things of value from those who don't have value. And he's saying that's what the wicked life is. It has no value. And then here's the next part. It says they will pay for their sin. Verse 5, so the wicked will not escape God's punishment. You know, I think sometimes we tend to think that God lets people get by with their sin. And, and, and we see that. We see where people live wicked lives. It seems like they do so well. And sometimes we get confused and we're like, man, why doesn't God take care of that? Well, I want you to hear this. We all answer to God. We all answer to God. And they're wicked because they have rejected Jesus. And there's no defense for rejecting Jesus. Life is all about making choices. 
And sometimes our greatest pain comes with the choices that we make. And then here's the third piece. Have no place with the blessed. The wicked have no place with the blessed. Look in verse five, the end of it. It says, sinners will not worship with God's people. There's consequences that come with the choices that we make. And in the, in the, in the time where it comes to the judgment seat of Christ, that's where we stand before God. And those of us that are believers, we get to go and we get to worship our Savior. Hallelujah. But the wicked don't. They don't get to be there. And you can't stand with the righteous if you're with the unrighteous. They're opposites. It's right versus wrong. And so what's the result of this? Because that's the last piece we need to look at. In verse 6, it gives us the results. So let's look at that. Here's the first thing. The blessed are protected. Those who choose what is right are protected. Verse 6 says, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. In the contemporary English version, it says, the Lord protects everyone who follows him. We get protection. And I want you to hear this. This is important. With protection comes freedom. There's a freedom that exists in protection. One of the best ways I know to explain this, I've done it before, is, is we, we, when we moved in the house we're living in now, we had two dogs. And when we moved in there, there was no fence in the yard. And one of the first things my wife wanted was a fence in the backyard. So we got a fence back there. And what that allowed us to do was open the door and let our dogs run. They were given a freedom because we put a barrier around them. Does that make sense? It's kind of like those of us that have pools in Florida, you have to have a pool guard around it. You don't do that to punish children. You do that to protect them. And so there's a protection that comes, all right? But with protection, there comes a freedom because it protects us from what is evil or what is wrong. It's a freedom from sin, it's a freedom from self, me first. It's a freedom from the world or the influence of the ungodly. Now, the wicked, they see those things as freedom. But for the righteous, we see it as bondage. Sin is a bondage for us. But when we have a relationship with Jesus, he will protect us. And he'll protect us from those things. Here's the next part. It says the wicked will perish. There's no protection for them, but the way of the wicked will perish. They'll perish because of their choices, their choice to live in sin, their rejection of Jesus. There's no reward for wickedness. There's a price to pay, but there's no reward for it. Here's the beautiful part. There's a way out. There's a way for that price to be paid, and we don't even have to pay it. We just have to accept it. We get to choose. We can choose what is right. And the choice that we make is we can choose Jesus. You can choose Jesus. Write that in your notes. But even bigger than that, I hope you can write that in your heart. Because that's what makes the difference between right and wrong. It's Jesus. And what a gift that God has given us. And that is the right to choose him. We get to choose the blessed or the wicked the godly or ungodly, righteous or unrighteous, the good or evil. We get to choose the right or wrong. And God has given us the ability to make choices. I don't understand it, but I'm glad that he did. Because if you and I were in charge, we wouldn't give people a choice, would we? We'd be zapping people. You know, they'd be walking down the aisle, the airplane, bzz, they're gone, okay? But God said, no, I love you so much, I'm gonna let you choose. You can choose me or reject me. I want you to choose me. 
And that's the offer that he gives us today. You know, Solomon, one of the wisest men in the Bible, he wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 2. He said, a wise person chooses the right road. A fool takes the wrong one. And the choice is ours. We get to choose what is right, what is wrong. We get to choose whether we're going to step into the right or stay in the wrong. But the reality is today we can choose Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never chosen Jesus, I just want to give you the opportunity to do that. You don't have to come up here or you don't have to do anything special. You just have to open your heart to him. And you just have to tell Jesus, I choose you. And so if you're here today and you've never done that, I just want to share a prayer with you. I would encourage you to repeat this prayer after me. And I would encourage you today to choose Jesus. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I'm going to pray this prayer. And you just repeat after me if you want to choose Jesus today. And just say, Jesus, today I choose you. I choose you. I choose the right over wrong. I want to step into who you are. I'm asking you to come into my life. I want you to be my savior. I'm a sinner. I need you. I've made enough wrong choices. And today I want to make the best choice, the right choice. And that's telling you to come into my life. I give my life to you. Today I accept you. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.